Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. And I haven't known these people for more than a couple minutes, but I know that these are the right people for today. So please help me welcome Tony Siebers. He is the founder of Parent Projects. Welcome, Tony. Oh, thanks for having me. Ah, we're thrilled to have you. And Bina Coleman, founder of Compassionate Callers. Welcome. Thank you. So you excited. Excited to get to know both of you. And for at least Tony and I figured out how we might have known each other. Maybe it was alliances, but we're not sure. Yeah, probably one of the ideas. <laughs> Maybe so. So listen, we have Robin Patterson with Mac Media to thank for yes. the introduction to Love Bina. Her. And then Bina, tell us why you thought maybe it made sense to bring Tony and then we'll back up and we'll talk about really about the organizations. But how do the two of your organizations or how do you and Tony work together? Yeah, it's a great question. So Tony and I met, I don't know, a couple months ago and we are both in the world of the elderly and Compassionate Callers is a calling service. And we take information and we create care plans and we do all that. And Tony is building a whole world for families and the seniors and just he'll get more into the whole wonderful world of it all. But we really believe that we can work very well together by having calls come through Compassionate Callers, really understand what the need is to understand what services that he has that we can really play off of each other. And so we kind of met and knew that we had to get together and work together in some aspect. And it's just, we've been communicating ever since. I love that. This is uh, just kind of fresh and new these last yes. several months. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but the last year or so. Yeah. Yeah. Last year, I guess. The last year. Okay. Yeah. okay. Good. Yeah. So let's, uh, Tony, let's have you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about what Bina is sharing. And then Bina, we'll have you circle back and talk again about your organization, Compassionate Callers, quite a bit more as well. I've been in the Valley since uh, about 2009 when I came out of the military service and, and relocated my family back out here uh, with First Solar originally. Uh, and then I've worked with other business, business challenges and business strategy. Over probably about 2015, I was struck by the silver tsunami aspect of things, the rapid aging population that was coming on the United States. I was involved with Catholic charities and with others where we were seeing in the nonprofit world, and that's my MBA is nonprofit management. So in the nonprofit world, uh, and then in, in the government side of, of economic development, economic planning, I was seeing that these were creating some pretty big challenges and that the that there is a likelihood government was going to struggle with it. I was watching businesses respond to that as well and having a difficult time like connecting people like Bina, who has this amazing, like this expertise to sit down and calm a family and walk a family through a solution or to walk them from A to B, finding a way that they could connect the dots on that and get that expertise out in front of people. And having my own parent project, which was really dealing with a, an older family member that was having a difficult time managing their own life and family had to start stepping in. I recognized there was a gap. I kept screaming for somebody else to fix it. And uh, eventually I figured, you know, it was going to be me that was going to do that. I really felt called to step into that gap and start working it. And today I get to work with businesses like Bina's to connect them into doing that, to help connect them to those families. Primarily you're talking, you know, 50 to 65 year old working moms who are balancing school, home, you know, school, kids in school, home, work. I know nothing about that demographic. Right? I just, (laughs) and and now all of a sudden they have a parent project. They have a family member who needs a little more help than they did yesterday. And tomorrow's probably going to be a little more than it was today. 
And that expertise that you need can come from a thousand places. You don't know what you need until you need it. You probably want to try it yourself a bit because that's what we all do. And you really, really don't want to suck at it. You know that much, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, that was working throughout that problem and that challenge. I got introduced to it. I just I met with and, and we deal with hundreds and hundreds of businesses across the country. Uh, being here locally had a niche that we really needed to have happen uh, with particularly how we started applying technology to fix the problem. And that was how we started getting introduced. Yeah. And with uh, some about a year ago, about a year ago now, and what she did with compassionate callers, being a say kinetic, a kinetic presence, a real person, hmm. as opposed to what technology can do, and we leverage machine learning and AI in helping families work their way through all of the big blue ocean of of what you have to do to figure it out, right? But we believe that you should develop machine learning and AI to be authentically artificial, that it's uh, not a human being, it's a little creepy, probably really really dangerous. Uh, to do that. And so we go into a different direction off of that. And that means we need awesome alternatives like Compassionate Callers and Bina to be there to answer that phone when the family needs to know there's a difference. Here, you know, automation can tell me what to watch next and where to go and what tasks to do and what family member to do it with and, and manage our calendars. But today, I just need to phone a friend. I just need to pick up the phone and have a Bina. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Handoff to you, Bina. Yeah. <laughs> Fill in the holes for us. Tell us about your background and how it is that you came about Compassionate Callers. And, and, and again, anything else that you can share with us around who you serve and why you serve it that way. So yeah, I'll piggyback to some of what Tony said. Born and raised in Arizona. So I've been here my whole life, minus a couple of years in there. And when I was in sixth grade, not your guys, sixth grade, in, in around 1996, my family brought the first home and said senior care franchises to Arizona. And so I joke that my brother and I slept, ate, breathed elder care. Mm. We were in sixth and fourth grade and that's all we knew. That's, that was life, you know? And so, you know, fast forward, my parents owned this, this business and, um, it was my turn to get a degree and it was kind of just a no brainer. So now I have a degree in gerontology, which is so rare and so niche. And, uh, has got me working in this industry since I've gotten my degree, and I love it. I find it to be uh, a much-needed service. All the services are much-needed. As Tony said, there is, we are in a silver tsunami. I don't know the exact number, so I don't want to get it wrong, but they're, they're more 55-plus than anything, and people don't know what to do, as he said, Um hopefully you don't go through this more than maybe once, twice if you're married four times. And so you don't need to know, but there are experts like Tony and myself who we are here to help and we have all those resources and we are here to listen and say, listen, I've heard your story. We need to do X, Y, and Z to give you some reprieve and to make sure that you are the daughter or you're the son or you're the partner again. But that's a whole nother thing. But to back up, I got my degree. I've worked in this industry. I also have a personal story besides my parents owning the franchises. My own dad got diagnosed with dementia in his late 50s, passed in his early 60s of it. And so I was a true, you guys mentioned uh, being a mom and working full time. I was a true sandwich generation caregiver. At the time, my kids were young. They're young still. They're eight and six now. They were even younger at the time. I was working full time, a wife. I had, you know, raising two kids. Visiting my father, we had we placed him in a uh, memory care facility, and I just 
I just knew there had to be other resources out there for people who are going through what I was going through to give them that break of not having to call their parents five times a day when they're working full time. They're raising their family. They're mm-hmm. doing all that. And it's mm-hmm. kind of between that what I went through with my father and then uh, my degree is how I came up with Compassionate Callers. Hmm. So much there. So yeah, (laughs) I threw a lot. (laughs) No, no, no. Both of you. So I'm 58. I'm a single parent. I have just one of three kids left home with me. My dad is still here locally. We're getting ready to downsize and and help him uh, find a a home that he can, you know, kind of uh, live long into. And he was not my immediate need. It was my most recent ex-husband. We had a traumatic situation about four years ago. And I found that I needed help with my spouse mm-hmm. and trauma intensive care unit for a month, post acute facility after that. Who do you help? Is it just that sandwich generation we have a parent, or are you there to help any families? And I'm going to ask that because I think the answer is a little bit different for both of you. For me, I do say it's anybody of any age, anywhere they live. Yes, we're in Arizona, but it is a nationwide service. But I can go all the way from latchkey kids really to talk about how they're single parents or both parents work full-time. There's no aftercare programs available, or if they are, they're few and far between, all the way to wherever your elderly loved one may be living. And we make those calls up to five times a day, seven days a week to the elderly person. Take your medicine, eat your food. Did you get up? We're a true proactive fall alert because we're calling proactively rather than relying on them wearing their pennant. Yeah, sorry, like a fall alert pennant. And, you know, let's say they're not, God forbid, and they fall. They could be on the floor for hours to days. But since Compassionate Callers is being so proactive and we're calling them, we know right away, oh, they didn't pick up. Let's try the second try. We have a whole emergency protocol. And so we can really just spring right into action. And a lot of that is the the catalyst, right? So in, even when you're talking about the problem is rarely maybe the condition that, that you're dealing with with your loved one that you're trying to take care of. It's all these other things that get in the way mm-hmm. of being able to carry that out. You have work, and you have job, yeah. and you have home, you have kids, and you have all these other things. And so having, uh, having somebody that understands what that is and can relieve pressure, sometimes it's just taking the guilt. And that right off of, I had on our show, we had a guest, Bean and I were talking about this a little earlier this morning. We had a guest of, of, man, maybe six months ago or so. And she dropped the gauntlet. I mean, she's like, okay, this is going to make your listeners, this is going to make everybody upset. I was like, oh, kick the door open. Go for it, sister. She says, uh, it's not your obligation to take care of your parents. And she took a tactical pause. I'm an army guy, so I'll use, I'll use, I'll try not to use too many terms like that, right? But it was enough of a, it was a pregnant pause, tactical pause, right? And I said, okay. And, and, uh, and she said, well, I, first of all, no parent wants to be dealt with or somebody that's being taken care of wants to be dealt with out of obligation. Nobody wants that to be the basis or that. In fact, a lot of times that's why they don't reach out and they don't have to be old to be experiencing that. Like none of us want, want somebody to do that just necessarily out of obligation. So start with there. Now you are holistic, the way that you're handling mind, body, soul, all of that, you probably get this, right? You also can come from a healthier place when you start thinking about, okay, well, she offered, she said, instead, if it's, well, I want to be remembered as somebody who did this. I did this in caretaking. I took care of my spouse and I did this. Um, I could do these things. I could do these things. I don't have the capacity to, to clean up my parent or my loved one out of the bathroom. I don't have that. I don't have that capacity. Like that's not me. I can't do that. And that's okay because there's really awesome people who can do that, who are skilled to do that and do it in an amazing way (laughs) that make everybody comfortable. 
But how do you find through? We literally at Parent Project, so we have over 70 service categories of businesses that step in when you are a family caregiver. So we, we start up at that family caregiving, you know, 36 months to, to 60 months, about five years worth of family caregiving. You then tend to, tend to get into, uh, turn into your Alamo. You age in place. You work from aging in place to a downsizing and a senior relocation project and end of life planning comes towards the backside of stuff. Uh, that can be a long continuum when people work through and you've got constant businesses and experts that are coming in and out. One of the roles that we immediately you know, saw or the bright spots we saw in Compassionate Callers was the ability to guide a family member to, to speak into what that moment of trauma is. Yeah. Like, I'm just overwhelmed. I am absolutely upside down and overwhelmed in that moment. And you, you can get through that moment with them and then take that first step. And that, that takes a person. I was just going to ask about trauma. My situation was very traumatic, a complete surprise. While I am kind of pride myself on being organized and mindful in listening and caring, when trauma and chaos ensue, we, at least I did, I kind of lost my ability to make sense of a lot of things mm-hmm. and trying to run a business and having a then 12-year-old at home and just everything, in addition to managing my husband's care. So could you both speak to from, again, your own perspectives with your organization and your businesses, how important is it that somebody is there to help us navigate life when there's chaos or there's trauma? I'd imagine it's nice when that's not happening, but if you already have a relationship with a compassionate caller and that routine is there, it's going to be extraordinarily helpful. But let's, let's really talk about, because I think COVID really shook us all up mm-hmm. a little bit around oh, yeah. being able to function when things were feeling uncertain. And in my this life experience for us was two months before COVID and then COVID hit. Right. <laughs> and then it all, you know, all well, hell broke loose. And, and you have a dynamic that stops however you would function to do that. So how am I going to do this? Well, you know, my, my wife was going through cancer, right, for breast cancer treatment. At that point in time, the, the ways that you would be there and to deal with that, you can't be in a hospital right? You can't be there for that moment to hold her hand and go through that difficult time because they got a tough port or whatever those things are happening. The world, these, those changes kind of come at you. I mean, how about from a practical side, Dean? I mean, when, when you're practically dealing with a family that, um, you know, maybe that first inbound call and they've got, you can, you can hear the rush of Trump, right? You hear it in the back. Yeah. Why don't you describe what that is and kind of how you start talking through that? Yeah. It's exactly how you both just said it. When I speak to somebody when someone calls, you know right away if they are going through something. They are stressed. They want to tell you their whole story, which I encourage because that's how I'm going to get the information. And they don't even know where to start. They are giving you information from left to right, all over. And as somebody who has a degree in gerontology, I've been doing care coordination forever. I know the pain points to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to use an example. I'm not sure what happened with your ex after the post-acute, but let's say he needed caregivers at home, which I'm assuming he did. So you and I talk, he's still in the hospital. You're like, I need him to get, they're going to put him in post-acute. Great. That's where they're going to put him. Once he's discharged, you're on your own. And that's a big problem. And that's where uh, resources from both compassionate callers and parent projects come in compassionate callers notes right away. Okay. You're going to need a caregiver. You're going to need that home health right away. You're going to need to know the insurance that you have. You're going to need to know, um, 
I'm just trying to think there's just so much that goes into yeah. it. The discharge date, you're going to need to know what durable medical equipment you have. When I, and I shouldn't, cause it's just so DME to me, durable medical equipment. And I say that to people and they're like, what? So, so that's just something else people will need to learn. Durable medical equipment's a whole nother ball game. And we just got to get all those pieces in place to make sure, for example, your ex-husband got home to a safe and secure environment where he was able to recover. Because like you said, you're a mom, you're running a business, you love him, but you had all these things on, I don't want to say back burner, but you were doing all these things. And this horrible thing happened. And now I know we weren't seeking at the time, but let's say we were, you have compassion colors, you have parent projects, you have all these wonderful resources who are just going to come in and make your life better and make your life work when you're letting your ex-husband recover. I think it's also the challenge of the the timing there, right? You don't need to know durable medical equipment until the exact moment you need to understand durable medical equipment, right? We talked about that this morning too, because it's panic mode. Why would you, before this thing happened, need to know that? You don't. No. But we do. And so like when you come and you're like, this is my situation. I'm like, okay, we got this. This is who we're going to refer you to. This is how we're going to make your life good easier while we were dealing with such a horrible thing. Did I make the wrong assumption then and now that that's the role of, at least from the hospital perspective, the role of the, the social worker, the social and, worker the and, the, and the, you know, continuing care or when somebody is seeing a specialist or their primary and we know it's end of life or transition or whatever. I went to the social worker and she was a lovely lady at Chandler Regional, but at the same time, these answers the the and it was a spe- very special unique situation i was floating alone had i had i had something yeah. uh, like you guys i i know that i would have done things I'm differently yeah, yeah, yeah i'm curious <laughs> okay yeah. so so imagine so our 73 categories go from mobile dog groomers right to doctors to yeah. attorneys to you know elder care attorneys real estate agents um all all of that uh, the avenue Everybody has a niche to put in. But when you think about that, so the social worker that's there uh, at the hospital, they're just like most things in society today. It's very convergent. It is get to the point in that moment for where they are. They're trying to deal with a high group of people. And it is a process designed to move people through. That is not necessarily your coach. That's not necessarily the moment in time in which this is going to stick. I have, so I'm I'm formerly a police officer as well, right? So I recognize Two people, for instance, I remember going to a car accident. I remember watching, and this sits in the back a lot when we deal with this and people picking up information. Okay, it was a car accident where a semi-truck had hit a bicyclist that was crossing the street, right? Big deal. It is in a, in a, in a yeah, big deal. And there was a, the different people that we were interviewing. I remember I was really, really new, had a coach. I'm doing these interviews. This one person swears up and down that there was a red light and the semi-truck ran the red light and he hit the bicyclist. Another person swears up and down the bicyclist had a go light, like had the like the white light to go ahead and cross and that they were legit where all mm-hmm. that was. And that just didn't, that didn't pan out. As we got through to have conversations, the, my coach taught me to have these deeper conversations. Like a lot of what you're doing, yeah. they knew the pain points for stuff. And as we got into it, we found out that, you know, one of them, I heard one of the, the person who'd seen the, the green light for the truck, her husband was a truck driver. And she had different, and I'm not saying it skewed that, but it skewed how she saw the event in that moment and where it collected. 
that I know is from being in law enforcement as well, when, and in the military, you know, from Iraq, just how your body recalls instantly an event right after it's just happened to a week later, a day later, a week later, a month later, now a couple of years later, it's, it's different. So getting that information to you became the challenge. That's where we came through. So at Parent Projects, what I looked through and said, okay, so I've got these amazing people. I wanted, I wanted to figure out my own project. So I went and I found the smartest people I could find. The same way I would do a company. We did First Solar, we did Rural Metro, we did Benedict University. I went and found people who were smarter than me that knew how to do that thing. And, uh, and these, these were called senior move managers. They're whole, they're like, they're a thing, they're right? A thing. They're a thing. Yes. They are a thing. They are and a they, thing in the industry. They're an, an amazing group of people. Most often the oldest daughter, 50 to 65 year old yep. working mom that had dealt with all of this. And this was their carriage business. They started working from it. Uh, and I would help with some business guidance and they would let me see how they did what they did. Mm-hmm. And we started then seniormoves.org. We started working from, okay, well, how do we practically do this? I digress. The finding the right moment to deliver the information by the right person the most, you may need to see that information at three o'clock in the morning. That might be the time in which your brain clicks on and it's when it's ready to connect and to work off of all of that. And so, you know, we, we said, okay, well, now we're going to go. What Parent Projects did is we said, well, we're going to use technology to connect family members to the right person at the right time on demand. We want an experience where we can get all of these folks. We started in 2016 converting awesome expertise from clickbait articles into videos. We said, okay, this is how people are going to watch it. This is really where they want to go. And we took those videos and we started indexing and chaptering and working with early, you know, just early models from this and collecting this, this book of knowledge on it and said, okay, well, now the next step as you collect that is let's talk to all these businesses and say, when somebody comes to help you or you're going to help somebody, and it's the best client. I mean, it is, they're ready for you. You're ready for them. It's a perfect moment. Tell me, what did they do before? What did they do when they're with you? What are they going to do right after you? That's a lot for my brain to know but machine learning can pick that up, right? And it can start organizing all of those things and it can watch how the conversation's going along and it can pick out sentiment analysis and it can subtleties in things and it can do it when you, when you build a good infrastructure and you solve these other problems like making sure they own their data and they have the right to be forgotten. You have to use European data models. They have to, you have to protect things differently and build it differently. But when you do that, people are able to convey much more information than they can in a hospital and that, 20 minutes that your mind is already thinking about how am I going to get him in the car? I mean, and then how am I going to get him out of the car? This guy's going to help me get there. How am I going to get him out of the backside and do I have a wheelchair? Did that come through? I'm just borrowing this one. This one comes through. How do we, how are we going to do the bathroom? Like in 25 minutes, like those things are real things. And they're sitting there trying to talk to you about the next 50 steps. So I, I think that's, that, I think that's that was we a, a very good explanation because it's true. He, like he said, they were, they're very hardworking people who have all these people on the discharge list in the hospital. And it's tough. It's a lot of people. And to your point, like they might not realize you're getting out of the car at home with them. They just need to get you safely to the car. So it's that what's next that mm-hmm. we're here for. Yeah. You're the, you're the gap. You're filling that gap where a family or a caregiver might be assuming that somebody else is going to have the answers for them in the direct line of support that we yep. have. And the truth is, we don't. <laughs> and it's a big reason why I started Compassion Call. Well, one of the reasons I started Compassion Callers was just for that reason. Not everyone has all of these wonderful uh, family member, sadly, of course, but you know, you may not be 
in a great spot with your family members. You could be alone. You know, we don't know the situation. And so a big reason why I started Compassion Callers was because if if someone is working full time, they know that their dad, who they don't speak to, is going to need this extra care. They might not want to. Mm-hmm. And so we jump in. We make those calls. And it lets them feel, okay, we help where we could help. But we don't have to deal every day with it. You know, yeah. tell us a little bit about the training and the kinds of people that are there on the other end of the phone with folks. Like the callers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, like I said, have a degree in gerontology, been doing this. So I feel very comfortable with noticing um, differences in voices from phone call to phone call. So I feel very comfortable when I'm training my people to pick out what to look for. Uh, One woman that makes some of the calls, she's a retired teacher from a Title I school here in town, and she's phenomenal. She knows. uh, She may not have worked with seniors before, but she's worked with children who may not have been in the best of situations growing up, homes, the whole thing. And she can really pinpoint, you know, this person sounds down today. This person doesn't sound like themselves. And we all note and chart. And so if there is something that needs to get brought up, like, okay, on this day, you're right. He sounded a little down. Let me make the next call and see. Um, Probably to a fault, I'm really into communication. So whoever signed up that Elder, that loved one, you know, we let them know, hey, everything's been going great. We did know the last few days Mr. Smith has been feeling blue or whatever the case. Um, and then another woman that makes calls, actually, she works with seniors all day and she makes the night calls. It just fits into her schedule. And I love it because while she's, again, we're not hands-on, she works with seniors. She can definitely pick up, okay, it's late. It's, she makes a very specific call for a very specific reason at 9 p.m. It's a late time for most people, especially a senior. Like, does he sound extra tired? Is he just ready for bed? So I really choose the people that I make these calls who I know have either worked with seniors in the past. The school thing I think is wonderful because she's had, it's not seniors, but she's worked with kids that need that extra love and attention. Um, so I'm really kind of picky with who I make, who I get to make the calls. Of course. Yeah. And how long is the relationship? For example, uh, I'm I'm dating a gentleman and his dad lives with him. Mm-hmm. He's out of town and no phone for this week because he's in an intensive personal growth retreat. And uh, dad kind of sticks to himself at home. Could that be something where compassionate callers are just there while he's gone? And how, how does that work? Yeah, we do have monthly packages, but it's funny you say that because... Um, I have a client in Pittsburgh, and that's exactly what we do. Her geriatric care manager travels fairly often. And so whenever she travels, we just take over those days and make those calls. Um, you know, they like I said, we do have monthly packages. We are not contract from monthly month to month. So we could just figure something out. But yes, I am very into, I'm trying to target travel agents, actually, for that exact reason. Ooh. Because my own in-laws, my husband's gram, grandma is going to be 101 in February. And my in-laws travel all the time. And so that's kind of where that that thought sprung from. But yeah. What same. a fantastic and, idea. And, and so much to know, right, when you get into the expertise. So a uh, green lan- uh, lanyard, like a lanyard around somebody or sunflowers. Are either of you familiar with that? Or mm-hmm. So that's an indication for dimension, for memory. So when you see someone at an airport, and they'll use that to very subtly be able to identify. Well, if we're aware. <laughs> a loved one. Well, I mean, we're not picking it up so much, but everybody at that airport knows that. Oh, I see. Right. And you have the ability when you have a loved one to go check in. There's a place even here at Sky Harbor, you can check in. It's just back behind the chapel. 
is where it was located last. Sometimes they move some things around, but you can check in and they'll, they'll give them a lanyard, work off the other side. Somebody will walk with them all the way down through the gates. They'll work. A TSA will provide supports throughout different airports around the country. Like there's a thing. This is, there, there are ways to do these things. And I think that's probably, like, so, I mean, you say, is it just that population? I, I want to do justice. This is business radio. And there is there is a lot of businesses here that are just coming in to understand this. And why is this, diff, why is this so different? And I'd like to speak into that if I could real quickly. Look, we are, by 2030, we're going to move from today, 48 million people in our entitlement systems for Medicare, Social Security in the United States. We have 48 million people are about that right now to 90 million. Okay. In the next five years, uh, four, six years. So that... I, I use government health care as a veteran, uh, and, and it happens to be Phoenix, so it gets beat up a lot, right? It's not, it's not killing. I have amazing doctors, but I can tell you the hard part of all of that is government operating such a large system for those things. You combine with that what has happened in technology and the technology gap that's starting to occur, things that my grandfather could do for himself, and that my dad can very well do for himself, except for my dad doesn't like to carry a cell phone, won't use a cell phone, right? He'll carry an iPad. But that that cell phone isn't something he likes. Well, like try getting a bank statement without getting into to that today. Try shopping for the best travel deals. Yeah. Try try getting on an airplane without having your pass and everything or your train ticket right out of the phone. Those technology gaps means that we have to step in as a generation. We have to start we have to start helping them work through those things because technology is just picked up so much faster. It's being adopted at this just neck breaking pace. And it's really leaving a generation behind, which is, you know, where we, what we work through is we call it, it's the age-friendly initiative. Um, World Health Organization, I hit or miss in some of the stuff that they do, but I'll tell you where they really nailed it was an understanding that this silver tsunami, this onslaught of, of advanced aging populations is a major global phenomenon, major problem. And if left unchecked, especially into some societies where they start talking about, well, you know, suicide's a good option to this problem when they become the last lost and least. Those types of things were horrific in states that they really wanted to get away from. So they started encouraging age-friendly cities to get age-friendly. Municipalities started at the state level and breaking it down. And we turned, that was when I looked for something really to scale and wrap our arms around as business owners, you know, um, of all the, in the longevity services market. That's what this is called. And there's a lot of us, right? About nine and a half million of us in the United States. That marketplace really just, it needed, it needed some guidance that could maybe put left and right limits or help us understand. I'm a, I'm a landscaping company, right? As a landscaping company, they're out at my house. I hit my head on an unforgiving orange tree out in the groves. You know, it bleeds a little bit. They might look at me and just kind of wave. If my dad does that, I have a very different expectation of a level of care, right? Pool company. I, I have an expectation when they're taking care of my loved one who lives in a different state, that they're going to be able to recognize if they should be signing contract or not signing a contract with my mom and dad as a salesperson in the front end, recognize signs of dementia in the front end of that. I have an expectation that if they see my dad laying on the floor, they're going to check in. They're going to do something about that. They're going to know who to call and to work through those things. This isn't necessarily rocket science and it doesn't throw a lot out. We just don't know till we know. And that is coming at us at a much faster pace. That 90 million is not all going to be broken. They're not going to all need help. They're going to be very capable people. They're, my dad's a restaurant entrepreneur, multiple restaurants, insanely capable person. But increasingly, he's being forced to go to the most dangerous place in the world for him, 
that uh, every time he needs to get something done, the internet, mm-hmm. where there's just, I mean, there are people who are literally paid to just with the vaguest level of understanding of his brain, right? They know exactly how he thinks, where he's going to go, and it's directed right off of that. And they were, they're, they're picking for it. My, my dad uh, will be 85 at the end of this month. Uh, still, I mean, just shard as a whip. And not too long ago, he said, hey, do you know if Grady gave me a call? And that's my 29-year-old. That's so scary. Uh Uh-huh. And I said, well, uh, I don't think so, Dad. He doesn't even call me back. (laughs) And uh, he's like, yeah, it was the strangest call. This kid on the other end of the phone, Grandpa, it's me. Don't you know me? And don't you remember me? And and my dad thought that was awfully odd. However, he was still kind of puzzled, right? So there's the cyber, I don't call it cybersecurity for lack of a better word, but yeah, the, yeah. just our need to look out for our aging, yeah. our, our elderly. And I have multiple stories that I've heard right here in Business Radio X about families. Even we've been just talking business yeah. and nothing about elderly care how concerning it is that um, people can take advantage uh, of us or not properly know how to support and help us get the help we need. So I'm fascinated when you're talking about the pool guy and the landscaper that that that's how you guys show up and help support businesses effectively care for their client base. Right, right. Well, I mean, even to what you're talking there, our last show, uh, so we just had started a new show with Joyce Petrowski locally of Rose, the Resources and Outreach. Uh, for with seniors, they um, her organ, they're on it. I mean, she's got like Fed officials. Her, she's got a phenomenal board. She's all over what those need, you know, those newest greatest scams, the hacks that are sitting out. And TransUnion wrapped a cloak around us after we had they'd been on the show. And, and I said, would you be interested in us doing like every quarter? Like, what are we seeing? What's this look like? And so they're like, good. absolutely. They're like, absolutely. Let's do that. And actually, our first episode will be out here. We just we just filmed it, and we'll be dropping that here in the next couple of weeks. So, Where, and let's pause. Where can we find that and follow that? Oh, uh, you can find that uh, at Parent Projects. Is for us. You can find everything. Your favorite social media feeds, but on at Parent Projects on on YouTube, it'll eventually we'll spin that off from the Parent Projects podcast standpoint. It'll be its own. Present dangers as the podcast starts. Ooh. So, yeah, good. Yeah, good yeah, name. yeah, good but name. I, and I thanks never, for doing yeah. that. But you bring that up, right? And so you talk about from gerontology. You can hear when you talk to a family. You can hear those warning signs. Like yeah. you can, you can pick a lot of that stuff up, and you know what to do about yeah. it. So, like, t- like, what do you? What does that look like? What does that look like if you were to, if you were doing the call, maybe just to check on mom for meds, like yeah. compassionate callers does, and you recognize there's a romance scam. Like that conversation goes in where you get that mm-hmm. sense of that. How, how, that. how does that go down? It's very real. Uh, it happens with the scammers as well as with family. I'm actually on a very client level. I have a client dealing with it with his own daughter. And it is to the point where everyone's involved. Me, uh, the, the client does not have a wife anymore. She's passed, but this, his sister and the, and the police were all involved because this scamming for the seniors is so true and it's so prevalent and we have to just be very on top of it. So in his case, I know that when he mentions his daughter, I know questions to ask like, oh, did she come by or did she call? Mm -hmm. Did she need something or she just Mm -hmm. calling to say hi? Most times it's that she needed something and you're not going to kind of like your dad with the, with the grandkid. I mean, I'm not sure how the call ended, but you know, it's it, they pull at that heartstring. They know what they're doing. They're very sneaky, and they know that these people. 
I hate to say it, they're just vulnerable. They want to make sure their loved ones are taken care Mm -hmm. of. And it's very, very scary. And when I, so sorry to to go back, when he does mention it, I, I make sure to ask, you know, have you seen her lately? Have you talked to her more than just giving her money? Okay, because remember what happened last time. We don't want this to happen again. It's my daughter. But I always tell him, you have to make sure you can also live. You know, you're an elderly man, but you're not dying tomorrow. You have years to live and you just cannot keep giving this money away. And it's the same thing with, granted, it was a stranger who called, but it's the same thing. People could be wiped out in one phone call. Mm-hmm. Right, and, th- and those are getting sophisticated, right? So we're AI, because people are creating it to look like human beings, they're able to capture off of web pages, Facebook profiles, Instagram, TikToks, yeah. right? So they'll go down to TikTok and they'll find the grandkids. They'll pull off their voice. The, all they need is 15 seconds worth of a run to that and the image and likeness from that. They can create a video utilizing the AI that is that person talking. I mean, it can it can, it can can get down to that. And they're, they're just dialing in on that. Again, hundreds of thousands of folks across the world that have decided this is how they're going to make money. And they only have to get it right once, right? Yes. We, have, we have to block them every time. Yeah. But you get, you know, how do you combat, you, you combat that? Is, is, I'm going to, I'm going to get at the front of my skis here for Joyce because I'm going to cha- channel my inner Joyce Petrowski here. But it is you have to slow it down for that moment and get them to start processing mm-hmm. everything there. There is never going to be a rush. If it's a real thing, mm-hmm. it's not going to be a rush. It's not going to be an immediate thing. If your son was in jail at 29 years old and needed to come, he's not going to do that. So dealing with that problem is one thing. The other side, though, is unfolding that so that your family and your loved one doesn't feel stupid around that right, or right, feel bad it. around that. And it is hard. It's I mean, embarrassing, we, right? It yeah, can it, be. It's hard for us to understand what AI yeah. can do. Now try explaining and working into that concept. Like it's non-obtainium. You're not going to get there. And so making sure though that the next time that happens, they're going to pick up the phone and they're going to call. So just teaching that temperance or having somebody that, that they can make that phone call to without bothering their kids at work. I don't yeah. want to, that's what we hear a lot. I don't want to bug them at work. Yeah. I don't want to do this. Knowing who to pick that up with and just process. I got a call. Said it was my grandson. Um, I honestly, I don't, I hate to say this, but I can't even remember my grandson's like voice. I don't know it. I don't talk to him enough. Could have been. Uh, those are difficult. Those are difficult. Very things. difficult. And one thing Compassion Callers always says is let us be that nag to your loved one. I always say that. Let us be the nag so that when you talk to your loved one, you can be the son again or the daughter again or whatever. But it's the same thing. Like when you make that phone call and that senior is saying these things, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I don't remember. Be embarrassed to us. Let us be that middleman and then say, you know what? This does sound a little fishy. Let me call your emergency contact and just, just make sure your grandson wasn't in jail last night. You know, let us be that person to just kind of make sure everything's okay. And then again, for for the elderly too, when you talk to your daughter, you can be their mom again and not, oh my God, was my grandson in jail last night or whatever the whatever the scam is or whatever the question is. Mm-hmm. And you can deliver it in that way. I mean, they could go to the conversation and be able to tell you, I don't remember what they sound yeah. like, right? They, which they might not say to their daughter exactly. or their son, but then you can also deliver that, hey, I talked to them, they're good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's all they need to hear. So, you know, they, they're, everything is resolved. There's no problem. They're not in jail. Everybody is good. That may be the only message that needs to go out to them, honestly. And it just kind of takes away how much worrying 
All yeah. that worrying's gone because that elderly person got to speak to a compassionate caller who got to just listen, hear what they had to say, make one other phone call, and we're good. We're- and, and, and worry can be, it can just drain. It's I mean, it can, almost. yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like a it loneliness ex- or sickness. Yeah. yeah it uh, it can completely accelerate whatever challenges and aging and other things that happen, especially if you're fighting isolation mm-hmm. um, or other you know, types of issues out there and they don't have the ability to talk through it. And the family dynamic, right? So we, oh. we, there's so many different versions of family dynamics. Oh, yeah. right. Even when it's completely healthy and whole, oh, yeah. uh, there's a lot at play there. So I love that you've pointed that out in just these last few scenarios that um, it frees the, really the burden and the yeah. responsibility, not responsibility, but the burden of feeling like you're bothering yeah. your, exactly. your adult kids or that the adult kids is saying the same thing to a nauseum and, and you're not hearing them, right? So that's that nice, uh, that bridge between that. It's incredible. Well, or, or even between your siblings. Right. Well, right? I yeah. mean, you guys, you guys have gone on. You lived yeah. in the same house for 18 years. And then you went off and you weren't raised in that. And you had a lifetime of experiences in other places. Or, you know, is a in the real estate side, a real estate agent will be working with a family and they'll deal to, they'll go to downsizing. They've got one family member, one, one adult kiddo that's just really dragging their feet against it because, you know, and it, it could be a picture at the top of the stairs that reminds them of prom and it reminds them of this other memory. It's just this thing that focuses on them. And it's an emotional attachment from that standpoint that they can't move, you know, they can't move on from that until it's addressed. And that might not be the same for three other siblings that are dealing with all of that and finding that space to give them that, you know, when you're, when you're feeling that pressure in front of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you speak again, Tony, to AI on the, the wonderful side, right? We've highlighted for the last several minutes about the, really the dark side of AI and this, the scariness that we're being faced with it. But what you're talking about um, from the perspective of helping these businesses, there's so much richness and, and goodness in it. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. You know, I think one of the, a, a friend of mine, uh, Matt Paxton had a show called Hoarders years ago, and now he's, he's doing Legacy List. And we talk about families when they get into want to organize this. Uh, we both, I've, we have five children. We both have a lot of kids. And so he was explaining to us, uh, or he's reminding me of when our kids were young and we wanted to make baby food. It's like you, like silly thing, right? But I remember trying to do this and you spent all this money and you're going to try this and it's like six months later and you're tapping out. You're looking at Trader yeah. Joe's for something, right? You're like, that was me. Yeah, yeah, only, okay. only kid number one. Yeah, yeah right, right. Not exactly. by two or three. Exactly. <laughs> the rest of them, it's like, no, on this thing, right? Yeah. It'll, it'll be good. Here's a frozen bagel. But the fact that we do speak in and we want to solve those problems that way means we kind of leave it to the last second. And I saw it in the military, I worked in emergency management. Ninth Ward of Katrina, I've seen it in, in Iraq, when things, um, when everything collapses and everything goes away, people try to make do, but they tend to kind of hunker down into that. They, they wake up in the morning, put on their boots, they put on their pants, right? They, they do something, they pull into the, near, the people that are around them and they start working through, through um, information as quick as they can. That information is difficult. What AI, um, we, and we used to call the best parts of it, I would say machine learning right? The ability to break down information quickly. One of the best explanations I've seen of this from AI talked about uh, in the difference of where it can provide promise uh, is uh, like large language models. I, I won't overly jump into it, but they said, we look at maybe latitude and longitude grid coordinates for, for airports. And if you took five airports and maybe two of them were LaGuardia and Kennedy and JFK in, in New York, 
You could tell by the numbers being close enough together in the grid coordinates, the latitude, longitude, that JFK is, is, is closer to LaGuardia than Rome, right? Or Heathrow in London is going to be, right? Even though one might be the same, lat, you know, lat, longitude-wise, latitude might be different. That's a like two-dimensional. And as human beings, we can do, we can break things up three, four, five dimensions. We can really cut stuff up. Machine learning can dial that in. AI can do it into the thousands, into the thousands of dimensions in these things they call the large language models, which allows them to take similar words in confusing languages like English, super hard to understand, right? right, right up there next to Mandarin. You know, if I say, you work at the magazine and I'm reading a magazine, it's the same stinking word, and they mean two very different things. One is a place and a, and a thing of employment, and the other is an entity, and the other one is a thing that we're going to read through. Um, it has that ability, though, with all the different with dicing up the words at, at other components that it can get a richer understanding. So the best application where we've started working is we call augment, the, the augmented intelligence portion of AI. We are working on what we call DEAL, digital empathy and AI learning. And that is the application of not just what is the next thing to do? What's the right answer? Today, you're supposed to take your, your dad's keys away. But by taking a look at where you're at in sentiment analysis and the words you're using and how you're communicating and where things are at, stories you've told, and as it's asked questions and knowing what's in front of you, I know that that's, today is not that moment. You are not in the place to be able to do that, right? And I'm, you know, Mayo Clinic, I need, I need something that's going to deal with the depression off of this side. I need to understand a, a, a 90 to two minute class, 90 second to two minute class and how my mom's doctor can play a role accomplishing this and relieving me from doing this. We're going to have to go that direction. That is where AI can really get impressive. And what we like to see is that's going to, that causes us to have to wander into those things that often are going into, can go into wrong directions. That's, that's the hard part of what we have to figure out with it. I think one of the best, we look at synthetic versions of ourselves or these, these scents or, or there's, there's a, a digital me or other versions but if you think about a quick way to help somebody become a better version of themselves, using AI, it's to take a digital snapshot of you with as many dynamics as it can have, and then take a digital snapshot of the you that you need to have with all the knowledge that you need to accomplish what you have to do at that moment, and then do a gap analysis. In business, we do this all the time, mm -hmm. right? And that gap analysis, well, now I just have to deliver that in the most effective way possible. That's a system. We can do that. That's what we set out the parent projects. That's what that's that's a delivery. That's what we're going to go for. We take seventy three industries yeah. of what Bina does that all have that expertise and an order in which all of those things come. And if you can put that information in and then allow the family to walk through, that's where AI can help to understand. This is your this is your race line. This is how you get through this with all the weather conditions and everything looking different and what might come up on the track and out of the tire and this wreck and this happened, like everything. And the difference of what driver does what, this is the line. This is the most efficient line for you to get to where you want to be. And I think that's going to play, I think it'll play a role in getting people maybe to act earlier. Yeah, I, I would love, I would love that. Yeah. We talked about earlier, earlier the better. The earlier like, or, the better. Yeah, right, early, right. You hear prevented. that. That, that is, look, these the folks on the radio, look, in the longevity, there are, there are hundreds of you out there. There are thousands of you out there in the Phoenix marketplace. Some of you might even know you just are called to be in this niche. You're gifted in this niche. You don't think you necessarily have the right business off of it. You're trying to figure that out. All of you know earlier than better, and we've all been just breaking our neck trying to get families to er act earlier. Mm -hmm. 
I think being able to go upstream and help families solve a problem that they want to solve in themselves instead of waiting for the moment they have to, but then having a solution at that moment too will play a big role. Dana, when you hear Tony speak uh, about the possibilities, and, and if you could take us back to the, the first conversation you guys had, how does that resonate for you and the mission that you have, and how is it helping you get to where you need to go as you serve these families? It's so, um, it's a great question because it's such a great fit for each other because as, as much as what Compassionate Callers is, is that calling service, we have to understand why and what time and when to call that person. And that is figuring out what that person needs. So they tie in so well together in that way. I know I've said this before, but I just create these care plans. It's just what I do. Within the care plans, it's what parent projects with the 73 vendors needs. He, he touched on the lawn care and it could not be more true. I have a client up here in Scottsdale we talk about his lawn all the time. And basically his, his lawn people stop coming. So I needed to find him and tell his geriatric care manager, he needs a new lawn guy. I mean, he, Tony has hit on every, the dog grooming thing. It is so true because you don't want your elderly loved one to go to PetSmart. You want that mobile dog groomer to come to them. Let them not go out for every little thing. I am a big advocate of mobile docs for the same reason. Yeah. Let that mobile doc come to your loved one's homes. And this is just stuff that when I'm listening and I'm figuring out when compassionate callers calls those up to five times a day, I also need to know what else do they need that Tony and Parent Projects has in those 73 vendors. Well, I'm even just, again, thinking about my dad. I went by his house not too long ago. His yard, front yard is usually immaculate. It wasn't this time around. I was kind of curious. I'm thinking, where am I going to fit in my 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 week to go and help. And I don't, I honestly don't know that I can. And when I talked to my brother who was aware of this as well, he said, you know, dad just doesn't have the, they're not showing up anymore. So the self-esteem and the disappointment that begins to happen for someone when they step outside their front door and they go check the mail, right? Or someone picks them up. If, if those kinds of things or the dog that, that, you know, isn't getting groomed properly, all those things can begin to weigh heavy on the, the wellness of, of the folks that, we're, that you guys are looking to care for. We brought up earlier, but it's, again, that loneliness. It's that uh, d- the draining from it all, the worry, and it's the self-esteem. Yeah. You know, there's a lot that goes into what we do at Compassionate Callers with those up to five calls that touch on all that. So my, my client, your dad, let's say your dad, for example, is my client, and he is saying to me, my lawn guys just stopped showing up. Well, I know right away, okay, this is something that I need input into the parent project because it's affecting his self-esteem. He's down about it. And it's just not worth him to be this sad about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something that might otherwise have been handled so simple simply. Fix. Yeah. yeah. So we're getting to the top of the hour. If you can imagine it, went super that. fast. I appreciate all the wisdom you guys have shared. I would love to... Um, have you finish up? We'll talk about, of course, where can where can people get a hold of you and and you know get connected with you for your services. Before we do that, though, tell me what you're looking to accomplish in the marketplace. And that's kind of a funny word, but for each of your organizations, really, what do you hope to see and hope to to fix? For compassionate callers, um, I would say it's kind of everything we touched on: the loneliness, uh, the forgetfulness. It's allowing sandwich generation caregivers to kind of have their life back and not feel that guilt. 
Tony made a really good point where he said it shouldn't be a responsibility on them. It should be something they do out of love. And there's no harm in or shame or anything in hiring the services that can help and get that done. Mm -hmm. And so I think for compassionate callers, that's a really big part is let us do this so that you can just work. You can travel. You can live your life. Again, we, we all touched on, you know, family dynamics. You might not want to call your dad up to five times a day. That's just the kind of stuff that we want to bring out to the community and to people nationwide to help them. Thank you. How can folks get in touch with you? How does, how does the process start? Yeah, so I'm very accessible through my website. It's just CompassionateCallers.com. Uh, social media, it's at CompassionateCallers. And then uh, email is inquiries at CompassionateCallers.com. Thank you, Bina. Thank you. Oh my gosh, Robin was so wise to ah. say we need to just spend time with you today. <laughs> Thank you. Tony, how about you? What are you looking to accomplish? What's, what are the bigger goals? And then let us know how we can uh, stay in touch and utilize your services. Um, so we are uh, we are just launching. We, we are driving as a, as a B2B platform, as a service. It's a big new marketplace that we're trying to really attract a lot of folks here into the Phoenix market to, to grow. For our organization, we're just stepping out and going nationally and watching this product and how that scales regionally, how it looks different in Boston, Massachusetts, or Dallas, Texas, or Portland, Oregon versus Phoenix, Arizona, especially in the winter. So for the businesses where we really want to approach, businesses in general in the past have historically looked at this like a like a leads is how they've done this. Like, I know this business and they kind of almost horse trade like the family from one thing to the next. And then we really shifted the di- the 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 dynamic against that. So we look to have businesses instead make use of this platform and give it out for free for six months at a time. Those businesses that come through, they get verified, that understand, that show that they're age-friendly, that they can work age-friendly practices of that, get to give the platform away to free for their clients and their potential clients. So when those families in crisis reach out and call the attorney or they reach out and they call wherever it is, it might not be the right time for that business, but that business has something to give them and that way to help nurture that family back to connecting with them at just the right time. And that is a lot of what we are driving to do here. It turns it from being a leads base to a nurture base of enabling and empowering families to get through, reduces the touch, the operating expenses. It gives a way for businesses to organize that evergreen content that they've been creating of expertise Mm -hmm. and actually get it in a manageable way to people. And you can find us at Parent Projects, plural, at Parent Projects on any of your favorite social media sites or online at parentprojects.com. Oh my gosh. So much to consider and to think about. Uh, And of course, grateful for the way you're showing up on behalf of our our families and and our, our older folks. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you you guys. You've been listening to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona. Some businesses lean left, some lean right, and we lean elderly care. Until next time, I'm Karen Awicki. Thanks for listening. Mm